in a dark world filled with deceit. One united voice is crying out. Revealing the truth of God's word. It's time to expose the hidden truth. And unravel the lies. While we're living in Satan's little season. With Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Welcome to Living in Satan's Little Season Show. We're your hosts. Sister Crystal. And Brother Phil. Topic today, Gog Magog War. Has it already happened? We had a previous show, brief show on this, and I realized I got some comments about other viewers. That's why I need you guys' help, because, you know, I don't really understand everything. I don't know everything, and, you know, I need challenge, too, and so this is kind of like our version of an apology tour we're having here. We don't have it all figured out. <laughs> we're human. <laughs> yeah, we definitely don't have it all figured out, so what I need people to do is, you know, is, hey, you know, challenge my beliefs on what I'm teaching here. See if I'm right on. Feedback. And, yeah, and so this is what I did. I, when somebody challenged me, I kind of, okay, well, well, let me look at that, what you're saying there. And looking at it, and it, what he said made sense and everything. So I appreciate you guys is challenging me. This is what, my, this is why, I mean, you know, we got the best group ever in this, <laughs> in this show. Because I have, some of my listeners are challenging my beliefs. Well, it's because, honestly, we've all been there. But we've had some biases. Or we've had... A, a thought on something that we were just sold on it. There's no other way. This is the way it's got to be. And yet, in our own humility, we are giving glimpses of truths that we have to reconcile and go, oh, wait a minute, that makes more sense now. And if I go with that thought, then that thought actually clears up other things that didn't make sense. So maybe that thought is more correct than what I originally thought was correct. So it's like this kind of like a little circle of, okay, let me just follow the trail and then figure it out. Okay, that one leads that, okay, that. And it's, I think that's through the Holy Spirit, to be clear. I think that God has spoken in his truths through the, his spirit to other people and to us. And we may not all have it correct either, but if we just help sharpen, that's really what that, that verse, we sharpen one another. And if we are, you know, honestly share our thoughts and our convictions or things that his spirit has spoken to us then we're sharpening one another and that glorifies god really i haven't changed my views that much what i changed is where where i believe we're at on the timeline mm -hmm. and so what i think happened is i think we are beyond the gog magog war and we are now waiting out the end and the remainder of satan's little season so we're still in satan's little season now i just believe that we're beyond the gog magog war which I thought it, in a previous show, I stated that I believe it's in our future, but now I believe that this is perhaps a false belief that I had 
I'll show you where I where I'll show you where I, I believe I went wrong and why I now believe that we probably was a past event now and we're just waiting out the end of Satan's little season. Mm-hmm. But let's first start with a, qu- a brief, quick timeline. I'm going to go over the new timeline now. <clears throat> so we start when, when Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. This is after his death, burial, and resurrection. He ascended into heaven. Then all the disciples went out there, and they had a show on this, that they evangelized, and they brought the gospel message to the entire world. In one generation. In one generation. So it was one generation they brought the gospel message to the entire world. And there was even a great falling away that happened too right. during that time as well. And, and that was that was a 40-year span. Yeah, and that was a 40-year span. Okay. But at the end of that 40 years, there is what's known as the, the great tri- the, the tribulation, seven-year tribulation. Three and a half years was just called the tribulation. And then the final three and a half years was called the Great Tribulation. And uh, that's when, you know, a lot of Christians got beheaded. Most of the apostles got killed off. <clears throat> it was a worldwide persecution of the church. And I did a show on that explaining how Rome was running the entire world at the time. And they just put a hit out on all Christians during that time, mm-hmm. you know, trying to wipe out the Christian faith. We know it didn't work, but... That they tried to do that. So that was his seven-year tribulation that happened. Of course, during that time, there was, at the very end, there was the abomination of desolation that happened that Daniel talks about mm-hmm. in Daniel chapter 9 and Daniel 12 and other, some other places. Jesus talked about it, too, that um, this is when, of course, the temple was destroyed. Most of Jerusalem was in shambles, and there was only just a remnant of people left before the next event happened. Included the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast. Yeah, the Mark of the Beast, Antichrist came around, deceiving everyone, mm-hmm. forced people to take the mark and all that. And all that happened back then. Okay, now. So in the destruction of the temple yeah. by Rome, it was the. Um, End of the Old Covenant system. Right. Yep, that happened um, 70 AD, right around in that time. So that's frame. when you think that the the Hebrew language and... Yeah, that's when the destroyed. Hebrew language was wiped out. The genealogies, I believe, got wiped out during that time mm-hmm. because they were all recorded there in Jerusalem. Right. Probably stored in archives there that up, because most of Jerusalem was destroyed, all that got destroyed too. Yeah, it was all God, this is all part of God's plan. During the... When there's just a remnant of people left... That's when Jesus Christ returned in the clouds, and then that's when then when the first resurrection happened. Okay. That was around 70, 73 AD, right around that, t- that time. And that frame. was Zechariah 14.3 and then Zechariah 14.5. Right. Okay. So, <clears throat> turn to Christ, first resurrected the saints, and then, then came Armageddon events, which is, again, judgment against the nations. But really the word nations, and I'll explain this, it really just means... Judgment against all the peoples that didn't follow Christ. Mm-hmm. That's really what it means. All the people that didn't follow Christ, God's going to judge all those people. And right. that's what happened during that time. Okay. Some people judge really harshly, other people not so harsh, that kind of thing. Then Satan was bound for a thousand years. Okay. And that's also when Christ started his millennial well, reign. Was, Satan was bound first, and then the millennial reign started. Right. Satan so. was bound. Christ started his millennial reign <laughs> with all the first resurrected right. people that came that, that were part of that first resurrection when Jesus so, returned. So can we say Satan was bound and then the party began? <laughs> yeah. We're just doing a quick overview here. Okay, so fast forward a thousand years now. Okay. okay. So decadence showed up in the church and all that during a thousand years. By the time the end, Satan was released from his prison. And then he went out and deceived the nations, which is, you know, people that weren't 
believers of Jesus Christ. That's right. what that really that means. So he deceived the nations, and then right after that is the Battle of Gog and Magog. Now I think it happened. Now I believe this might have happened very shortly after Satan was released from his pit. I think around the late 1700s or 1700s, perhaps maybe as late as the early 1800s, but that, that's as late as I think it'll go. I don't think it happened any later than that. But this so is why what... why do you think? I know we kind of talked about this, but why do you think his initial strategy would be to do it then? Right when he was he was released. Okay, I'm going to go into why I think he did it then because Ezekiel has this has recorded this mm. Gog Magog scenario, and there are little hints and bits and pieces of detailed information we get out of this that I think that there was two factors involved. God wanted the nations to go up against him. One and Satan was also deceiving the nations to go up against them too. So there was two factors involved in why this uh-huh. horde went up against the camp of the saints and the holy one. Okay, and we're going to go over that when we get to Ezekiel, chapter well, thirty-eight and thirty-nine. Yeah. After this Gog Magog war, and I believe this is what kind of caused the mud floods and mm. all the um, empty cities that we see around the world during that time frame. I think this is when all this happened. Okay, mm-hmm. this is why this all has happened. I'm going to explain later what I think really transpired, but this kind of making more sense now of why this, why this transpired. We're after the Gog-Magog War, waiting for the end of Satan's little season. Okay. Because I, what I believe happened is that God and Satan negotiated how long he was going to be allowed a time to deceive, deceive the nations. The nations. I, I think this was a negotiated thing, you know, just like what happened back... In the, in the times of Job, where Satan and God, they kind of negotiated how Satan was was going to attack Job. I think the same thing happens when he deals with us as well. Satan's allowed to do his time frame, and there's a lot of hidden stuff that happens in their history. We don't always understand all that. Right now, we're waiting for the remainder of Satan's little season until Satan is finally at the end. He's thrown into his pit, thrown into the lake of fire for all eternity. And then that's when the great white throne judgment happens. And then the new heaven, new earth comes down. And then we get the new Jerusalem. We get to be citizens. there. That's pretty much what we're at, where we're at now. Right now, we're beyond, I believe, the Gog-Magog War. And we're just waiting now for the... Essentially, we're, it's actually a lot easier now. And this is actually, to me, good news. Because that means we're in a waiting game, just waiting out the end of Satan's little season now. We're not going to have to, any war that'll come up that'll matter at all. All these other wars that come up are just are, are mean nothing in the whole scheme of eternity. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 20. I'm going to show you where I got it wrong. I'll admit when I'm wrong, and this is what this is, an apology tour here. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, you know, I don't have everything figured out. I'm trying to figure all this out because there's this, there's just been so much deception that I even could get things wrong because I'm looking, and this is how a lot of preachers get things wrong too. They read into things that aren't there. And we're going to go into that here. Let's go ahead and read Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 through 10 again. Okay. And we'll, we'll go into the scripture, and then I'm going to make some comments about this. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. After the thousand years, so this is definitely for sure, after the thousand years is over is when this Gog-Magog war is going to happen. This is why 
I was thinking to myself, it was going to take Satan longer to deceive the nations. This is where I was making the assumption that, oh, wait a minute now, it's going to take Satan quite a few generations after Christ's millennial reign to deceive all these nations into going up against the camp of the saints and the holy ones. Well, I think your idea is that maybe there there were more people maybe on Christ's side or, you know, that were more on that camp of faith. But so often what happens is we look at something and we think we see it from a perspective, but if we read the scriptures, it looks as though maybe towards the last half of that, people were already riling up against and not wanting to be followers of Christ, it looks like. Well, there was definitely what I call um, a degeneration of spiritual strength. And that's what caused actually the loosing of Satan. I've always stated this all along. I believe the loosing of Satan was caused because the spiritual decline had been getting so much that Satan, that God was like, I'm just going to loose, loose Satan on you. That attitude right there, that idea, made me think of when Jesus was going to be crucified and then um, Pilate said, who do you want me to release to you? Because, and instead of, you know, because that was right before um, his walk through the, the city, you know, on the donkey, or you ride on the donkey, that basically they said, oh, we want Barabbas over Jesus. And that's kind of like, you kind of give them what their hearts want. And that kind of makes right. me think that's why he might have allowed him to be released. And it, that whole thousand years put, took place, but it was toward that was like, just, just release this, this um, devil to the people who want him the most. Well, what I'm thinking here is, see, it says here at the very beginning, he will go out and deceive the nations. Now, that word nations, mm -hmm. <laughs> this Again. is what gets you, this is what gets a lot of times, we, we read these words in our Bible and we really don't completely understand it. Most people, when they think, the, when they hear that word nations, they kind of think, well, countries like, you know, United States, Canada, the UK. No, that's not what that word means. A it, governmentally established. Yeah, like a governmental established country. Mm -hmm. That's not what the word nations means. It, actually, the Greek word is ethnos, is where we get the word ethnic groups. And what that really word means is, it, it just means, a lot of times that's just translated Gentiles all over the place. Most of the place, if you look at that word in most of your Bibles, they'll use the word Gentiles there. Well, it's heathens. Well, it, it could be heathens, but there was Gentile Christians too. Right. So you see, the name doesn't, it just means people that were non-Jewish. So this is what it is. They deceive the non-Jewish people, I guess, is what this is kind of saying. This is why this word, a lot of times it's used, so it's not really call, called nation states. It's more of like the nations, the Gentiles. That's all it means. Mm -hmm. this, a bunch of Gentiles got deceived is what that really, that word means. They use the word nations. I wish they would be consistent with the words they use, but they aren't. In the Bible, so we have to like look at what the word is. Oh, okay, I see right. what that word means, and we have to look at it ourselves. That's what I was getting off. But see, I, what happened was Satan got released from his prison, and he saw that the world was basically mostly in, in complete utter ruin on a spiritual level at that time. Mm -hmm. I really think that the world was pretty bad when Satan was finally released from his pit, and I think what happened was it took Satan to be released for us to get some kind of a revival going in this world today. Because without Satan being around, I hate to say it, people just become complacent. They become, they, they just follow the rules. They, there's no there's no spiritual strength and depth, and we need challenges in our lives to get that. So this is what I think happened. There's a great horde of people. Now, I believe this Gog Magog, I believe this is referring to the kingdom of Tartaria, 
which was in the north. And I'm going to explain why later on why I believe this way and why I believe they were scrubbed from history because I think that this Gog, Magog, mm. and also there's even old maps that actually have Magog as being a place in what would be known as Tartaria mm. in some of these old maps. So I really think that this is the, tar the, people, the people of Tartaria all went up against the camp of the saints and the holy ones. Well, as far as strategy goes and the way that the devil is a thought, when I saw this, I thought, hmm, maybe when he was released, he saw that there was no greater opportunity in history than at that moment, because maybe he thought that was the most power he would probably ever have, not knowing how maybe the future was going to play out and all that. So he just thought, I have a greater chance of succeeding against the camp of the saints if I attack them now. When we read Ezekiel, we're going to read over what the cities look like, and they were essentially undefended cities. Okay. So this is what, and you know, honestly, <laughs> this makes sense now if you think about it. The way that these cities are described in Ezekiel, it's like, yeah, I can see why they would think, oh man, I'm going to be able to, the horde will go down there and loot those cities out, because they're essentially looks like they're undefended. But they were, see, they were being defended by the Lord. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is the thing. This is how it's easy to deceive people into thinking, oh, just because they didn't have a bunch of weapons of war doesn't mean they weren't getting defended. Uh -huh. They were. But they weren't being defended, what, what people think. They went up on the breath of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the, the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So I don't think it was an island. I think it was there was some place that they just think they could surround it. You know, I think it was not in the far north, like, and I'm going to explain why I think that way later on in Ezekiel, okay? Because it talks about Gog Magog, and we can read about, all about Gog Magog in Ezekiel. But if you notice here, after the fire came down from heaven and uh -huh. devoured the armies here, and right. I believe this fire that came down from heaven that devoured the armies is actually what caused the mud flood events around the world. Well, I think that's, that's really plausible. And I think this is where we and maybe others kind of thought and alluded this was in our time frame because we think the fire comes down and devours them, and then immediately we think then the next verse is going to occur. But there's no immediate right. terminology as to say this is how it's going to happen, this, this, this. And so we think that this is going to be in steps and it's going to be really quickly. That's not exactly what this is alluding to. Too often we do that where we think, okay, this happens and this is going to happen right then. And then it's like these steps that are just right smack dab right after the other one. And that's not exactly. Yeah, because in verse 10 he says here, then the devil who deceived them was cast in the lake of fire. Well, it doesn't say immediately after right. that war, the devil. See, this is where you kind of get off because you're reading these scriptures and you're thinking, oh, okay, then right after that war is when he... <laughs> no, it doesn't say that. See, there are times in the Bible, mm -hmm. like in Matthew chapter 24, where he says immediately after the tribulation in those days that, you know... See, so there are word times where they'll use the word immediately, but here the word immediately isn't used. But you see, you, you look at Revelation chapter 20, and he's just writing one sentence after another. Okay, after that, there's a thousand-year rain starts. Okay, after a thousand years over, and then it's like, well, the next verse, you mean you just skipped over a thousand years after <laughs> from one verse? To, see, we're not realizing, we're looking at it like, oh, all these things are happening just, you know, really quick. But see, to, to the writer, he's just going, okay, this is what happens next. 
But I'm not. I don't know. How, I'm not going to tell you how much longer. We don't know how much longer those things happened. Right. He doesn't give you a time frame. Yeah, in between no, no these, time frame given these events, and that's the tough thing is we have to anticipate in our own studying as far as when this occurs and where this falls into our kind of allotted time frame. And we want to try to get these time frames correct because I think that now all we're waiting for is just the end. We're just going to hold out. We're not going to we have to worry about any kind of major war. I think the, the world, the Satan has pretty much deceived everyone and is pretty much in total control of this world anyway right now. Of course, the, God is controlling Satan, obviously, and can push these, these nation states around however he wants. So no matter what happens, we're, we're really covered by the Lord. So really, we have to be strong and not be deceived. Because we are definitely living in this time of Satan's little season. And really what you said a while ago was Satan's really, his goal is to deceive and basically scorched earth. It's just like he's trying to destroy everything that God has made so that he can, you know, maybe derail God's plans. But that's not going to happen, of course. But his idea is if I can fool as many people as I can and then just destroy everything on my way out the door, I've stuck it to, the, to God. I'm just telling you where I'm getting things wrong. And this is where a lot of other preachers get things wrong, too. That's why you just have to just go, okay, I, I need your help. I need to be guided by the Spirit. And I need people to challenge what I'm saying here because I don't, I'm don't. i fi trying to figure all this out. There's just so much deception in this world. And there's so much hidden history and so much that been, we've been lied to about things that we're just trying to reverse engineer all this. <laughs> and, because of course, we only know what the Bible teaches and tells us. But, of course, because history has been completely wiped clean been completely fabricated we're having to like reverse engineer it based on what we understand of what what we do know that did happen in history well we also have to be led by the spirit so what we can't kind of recognize as maybe truthful events in history we have to trust that the holy spirit and god will help reveal those things to us and enlighten us through his scriptures what exactly and how this might have all fell into place so that's the thing is being humble in spirit that if you got it wrong or you think you got it right and you can review it and look, maybe I need to make a change and I need to be humbly enough to accept that if someone points something out, I need to relook into it and see if that makes more sense. And so humility really plays a big part in it and trusting that the Holy Spirit will guide us. Okay, now we're going to go into Ezekiel. Now, this is going to take us at least two or maybe even three shows to get through this this particular topic because I'm realizing now that Ezekiel has a couple chapters dedicated to this Gog-Magog war and what we're going to do is analyze this now on this new perspective now. See, that's really where people get things wrong is that they look at everything from a wrong perspective and then everything they get wrong after that. Mm. Now, if you change your perspective all of a sudden it's like, okay, this all kind of makes sense now. This is where we're going to go with a, a pers the perspective of what Ezekiel wrote about Gog-Magog and we're going to see how it does fit in very carefully. But there are some a lot of quite a few differences, and we're going to discuss those. So go ahead and read Ezekiel chapter 38, and we're going to start with verse 1. Okay. okay, go ahead. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog, and the land of Magog, Rosh, prince of Meshech, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say to him, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, Rosh, Prince of Meshach, and Tubal, and I will gather you and all your army, horses and horsemen, all wearing breastplates, with a great multitude, shields and helmets, 
and sword. Ezekiel to prophesy against this Gog, the land of Magog. So it's talking about the same event that we're talking about here, okay? It gives you some details here. Here it talks about these other ones. There isn't just Gog and Magog involved. See, you mm -hmm. notice it's also Rosh, Prince of Meshach, and Tubal, and all these other people. There's So this kind of describes these nations that mm -hmm. that were gathered together. So this is kind of the precursor to what we're talking about here, okay? And this is where the, these are, I prophesy against you and I will gather you. See here, see this is where I was getting things wrong, okay? Because you look at the Revelation passage in Revelation 20 that we just read. Mm -hmm. And there it actually says that Satan will gather the, will deceive the nations and gather them on the four corners of the earth. But mm -hmm. here it says that the Lord We'll do something. We'll gather them. Well, it sounds to me so as this, though... Yeah, this is why I was thinking it was a different event, because here it seems like the Lord's instigating this battle. Mm. And in Revelation, it kind of indicates that there's the devil that is deceiving the nations that's instigating the battle. Well, it sounds to me that there's a little bit of both. And if the people were easily deceived, then God was going to gather them. So it's almost like taking your fingers and putting your hands incongruent, like you're going to hold your hands together and a and you know a, a joined fist, you know, um, both hands together, clasping hands. It's like one has to happen and it fits in the other, and so it all kind of comes together. So it looks like Satan was deceiving the nations, but God was going to gather them together because of their willful deception or willful mis. They were trusting that misleading of the devil. So it kind of all fit together. In like this grasping of hands, like it all fit perfectly. Talks about all their weapons, and this is kind of another thing throwing me off. It's like I thought this what this event here in Ezekiel was really talking about Armageddon because of the weapons they were using. You know, shields, um, horses. I'm like, if this is a future event, we wouldn't be using horses and stuff. But wait a minute, this is just a couple hundred years ago, like 150 years ago or so, which is what I'm thinking more mm -hmm. now. It's like 150 years ago in our past. Well, yeah, they would still be using horses around, and mm -hmm. they would still have shields and stuff like that. And then it says sword. Well, sword was throwing me off because it's like, well, even a couple hundred years ago, they weren't really using swords that much. But wait a minute. <laughs> the word, it, they, they weren't really using swords, but that word sword really just means weapon. Even in the New Testament, you can see that there's many, many places mm -hmm. that this word sword is actually used just to describe a, just a weapon of any kind. And uh, like there's verses in the Bible. Can you, like, can you, do you remember any in, in the Bible? Oh, yeah. The sword of the Spirit. Yeah, the yeah. Like it, 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 the part of the, one of the things is the sword of the Spirit. Which is the word of God. Which is the word of God. See, that's just a weapon. See, it wasn't just a sword. The, the, the word isn't really just a sword, so to right. speak. It, it's actually a weapon. That's found in, in actually in... What is it? Ephesians, Ephesians 6, 6, yeah. But then Romans talks about that. The people bear the sword for nothing. In other words, the weapons, don't, don't, don't governments bear the sword. That's in, in, in Romans chapter 13. But even Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of God, shall sword or persecution. You use the word sword. Well, it's not sword. It's weapons. Can weapons mm -hmm. separate us? No. no. There's no weapon in this world that can separate Amen. us from the love of God. Right. See, so a lot of times this word is used to just, even Jesus, when he was getting ready to get arrested. Remember when you know, Peter took the sword and cut off his ear, and he said, he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. He said that, that phrase. Right, right, right. Well, then it, on Matthew 10, 34, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come but to bring peace, but a sword. Yeah, so these words sword, as you used to describe, I'm, I'm come to bring a weapon. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what Christ did come to bring. 
the sword he came down to bring was the word. Amen. And he was te- teaching the word of God to the people. And that's the sword that he did. I'm not coming to run peace. I'm going to bring the word of God and it's going to divide. And just like he said, it's, it, it's a weapon. So you see anything, that's why when the times was, was word sword in the Bible, it's the same exact word in Ezekiel as all these other places. The same exact words always used. For sword, it's just literally designed a weapon. So that was kind of throwing me off for one. God instigated this war and Satan deceived the nations to go to war. So it was, it was a combined two things. This is perfect, okay? Persians, Ethiopians, and Libyans, and all with helmets and shields. Gomer and all belonging to him. The house of Togarma from the end of the north and all belonging to him, and many nations with you. Be prepared, prepare yourself, you and all your multitude that is assembled with you, and you shall be to me for a guard. It's describing just like it does in Revelation chapter 20, that it was, you know, as vast as the sands of the sea. So it says, here it uses the word, a great multitude are going to be gathered together. Again, see, this is how they're really similar, so that's why I'm seeing, I think, these events are the same events because you have the massive armies, all these different people groups. Again, well, they, yeah, it says it was the Persians, Ethiopians, and Libyans. Well, we know Persia was uh, right. a nation state back even in the Bible, and then of course nowadays you know where Ethiopia or yeah. Ethiopians, and then Libyans, all the tip of, of Africa. Well, so, we don't even know we know right. where these countries are at exactly. We but just know that there's different, pe- there's different yeah. people groups that were all going up against the camp of the saints and the holy ones here, and so but they're all talked about here. The, the, the nations, and that word nations is exactly the same word that's used there in Revelation describing the Gentiles. It really is exact same word. Gentiles there, they're both talking about these people groups that are going up against the camp of the saints and the holy ones there. And of course, it talks about where they're coming from. This is what I want to go into. This is why I think where the camp of the saints and the beloved city was located. It was at a place where it was further south than where these guys were coming from. Okay, because it says here, from the end of the north. So it's in other words, it seems like it was from the far. It, it, the, the way it's describing is these people were from the far north, mm-hmm. which if that, that's a, another indication, it does describe where Tartaria was located in the far north of the world, in really what we call current day Russia today. It also described what happened with the destruction of these armies. And why Russia was able to get such large territory back in the day, because essentially their armies had been decimated. And so when Russia went went east, they started taking over all that land. They were able to do all that. Why? Because the armies were destroyed and there was nothing, mm-hmm. nothing there. And they could just walk in and just take all that land. Mm-hmm. And that explains why the expansion of Tartaria to the east happened by Russia. And why they were able to just gobble up all that land so very quickly in history. Because the armies, had just all those armies had just been completely decimated in this war right here. Right. And that was according to the Lord, because the Lord wanted this to happen. Okay, so let's move on a little bit. We'll just read a couple more verses here. And then we're going to have to break this time and we'll do a part two starting next week. Okay, so okay. go ahead. He shall be prepared after many days, and he shall come at the end of years. And shall come to a land that is brought back from the sword. When the people have been gathered from many nations against the land of Israel, which was entirely desolate, and he has come forth out of the nations, and they shall all dwell securely. Okay, let's stop there for a second, because 
Here it's describing this, okay, we know that what happened to Israel, the abomination that causes what? Desolation. Desolation. Zechariah 14 describes exactly when, when the, the land had become desolate because of all the destruction, is when the people were living there and they rebuilt that land, the desolate land. The, mm. the, the land that had become desolate at that time. And then you look here, and it shall come at the end of the years. In other words, it's describing when this event's going to happen, and it doesn't say it's going to happen real quick. He's describing this is going to come in the end of years. In other words, it's almost like he's describing the end of time, which is like the time that we're living in now, that we're living in Satan's little season right now, and this is when and he's kind of describing here when this event is going to take place, that this land that had become desolate at one point, which we know that happened, abomination that causes desolation it's no longer desolate anymore there's people and that's why i i was thinking it was the same the, the same time period but then i'm realizing well no wait, wait a minute here this is describing the desolation that happened to the land that now they rebuilt all that and now it was no it used to be desolate but now it's no longer desolate anymore mm -hmm. and this is why they're going up against the camp of the saints here and the holy ones because it was a land that used to be desolate because of the abomination that causes desolation. But now it's no longer desolate anymore. Well, okay. it said that it was entirely desolate. So it was yeah, completely. It, yeah, that's what the abomination of desolation was all about. Mm -hmm. It was they, it was Roman armies had gone in there and just completely desolated everything. And that's exactly what you see that transpired. So they all dwelled securely in that desolated land. Yeah, they were all living in this des the land that used to be desolate. But now it's no longer desolate anymore. This is why I know I believe this is talking about after the thousand years is up, when Christ came and rescued that town, when the, that, that city of Jerusalem, when there was only a remnant left, that it was desolate at that point, and they they they, they dwelled in that land and they rebuilt that land, and that's where they they dwelled safely in that land for the thousand years until this event happened, where the Gog Magog war, which God. You know, it was all his plan anyway. God's plan was to bring these armies up against these this this, de this once desolate land and to to attack them. Next week, we're gonna go over more of this because this is just the tip of the iceberg <laughs> when it comes to this idea of Gog Magog war. Because this is exciting. This is in our recent past here, so we're getting to stuff that really matters to us, and we're going to learn a little bit about why I think some theories I have of what I think happened, and what happened. I believe that what will happen in our future. Well, well, it's all uncovering what has been so easily masked up and so easily hidden from us, and so we're trying to, as the archaeologists, actually have to go in and dust off all the hidden things buried underneath layers and layers of earth we're having to do that but with the scripture and in our historical data and also through the holy spirit use that to kind of chip away any biases that and so we can reveal the truth the truth is what we're seeking and god wants us to see this truth so clearly that we're not deceived so praise to the lord for revealing this and for everyone who can see this and reconcile it in their own spirit, because that's really what this is, is we want God's truth, and he wants us to receive it. And so this is beautiful. Looks like this war, Gog Magog war, might very well be in our past, which is good news for us. <laughs> that means we don't have this war to deal with in our future. All we have to do is just hold out in what we're living in now, 
and we're just right out to this this Satan's little season to the very end. Stay alert, stay awake, and don't be deceived. Because we're living in Satan's little season, not only because it's right there in our Bibles, but, but also, because it's the only thing that makes sense. Join or contact us at satanslittleseason.org. This is a non-copyright, living in Satan's little season production.